0: I'm Matt Jolly, and this is the History Worth Saving Podcast. Today, we're talking to two guys who happen to be housemates. They live up in Minneapolis. And if you've been watching the news at all in 2020, then you heard about the riots that broke out in Minneapolis. Well, our guests today, Nick and C.I., they live just a few city blocks away from where everything went down with George Floyd. They witnessed history firsthand, and they're here to talk to us today. Now, a little background about Nick and about CI. They come from different backgrounds. One is black, one is white. One was raised in a Christian home. The other was raised with both a Muslim and a Christian background. And here's the thing. When I talked to Nick about this the other day, and I approached him about coming on this show. He said, you know, CI and I really haven't talked about this much. So today it ought to be pretty interesting and I welcome you both. And uh, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks again, guys.
1: Good to be here. Good to
0: be- you're, you're joining me from your phone up there in uh, in Minneapolis. And we could, we could make it dramatic, Nick, because you understand the media. We could make it dramatic and say that the data lines have been down, but but that's not the case. I know there've been a lot of fires. It's just <laughs> we're just cheap, and we're only doing this on a phone because of, uh, of for the practical sense in it that uh, we wanted to get this on and recorded as quickly as possible. So I appreciate you guys getting on there. Walk me through those events that happened just now, just what about a month or so ago, and how this and how this all went down for you with your first experience when everything started to unravel up there.
1: Well, I think, um, I don't know, I'm not going to put any words in CI's mouth, but I I think he and I talked about it the first night. The first time I heard of things kind of unraveling was really Wednesday night. I mean, there was Tuesday, there was some protests that um, I was actually uh, in an airplane and we were circling them and we were shooting them from the air. And so that was my first experience with it. And then the next night I came home from, my day job. And, uh, I think it might've been you or Eric telling me, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're looting. (laughs) There's riding going on down, you know, on Lake in Hiawatha. And, uh, you know, it, it often I've heard that before and it hasn't really been much of anything. So I kind of ignored it. But then later on looking on Facebook, I saw what was going on down there. So I know I, when I grabbed my cheapest camera and my cheapest lens and got on my bike and headed down there. And I think, Matt, you saw some of those pictures. So that was, I mean, actually I think, yeah, C and I, so we talked briefly that night, but not, it's not like we witnessed the whole thing together. So I'll kind of turn it to CI to what he thought about that. Um, It was kind of, for me, uh, taking everything
2: all in at one time. It was like uh, just getting the news and seeing so many people uh, on the social media showing the George Floyd situation. And so from that, just that domino effect with it, just from my attention getting caught on social media cause I was working at the time when everything happened too. just all of a sudden from the time of me getting off of work, um, after the situation happened, it was just, it was just like, uh, it was just a never ending story. Like nights just got longer and longer, you know, uh, just constant noise in the neighborhood and stuff. And then the following few days later, um, it was just like uh, a lot of different army trucks and a lot of stuff that was just out of the usual, just growing up in the neighborhood to, to just see, all these different army trucks coming out of nowhere and stuff like that. And, and having a lot of roads blocked off cause of the way, how I go to work. Um, and, and w- where everything was happening at the police station, like everything was just all backed up and closed off and cramped. So that was just kind of, um, cause I got a routine on how I get to work and get there fast. So with that, with all that happening um my job ended up wanting to close and and you know just gave us a week off just because it was just so much to take in all at one
0: time and you, you work know, so. in the healthcare industry ci and you also uh work yeah. at a grocery store so it's i mean yeah, if there was ever like a, yeah. a a target an epicenter for covid and everything else that's going mm-hmm. on i mean you've seen it all
2: oh right? i've seen it all yeah, correct. Yeah, unreal.
0: Definitely. Unreal. Mm-hmm. At what point? I, I think your Nick has told me the story before, and Nick and I are friends. And uh, mm-hmm. aside from the media side of the house that we both share, but I mean, we're we're friends. And and Nick was telling me one night, he said there was this surreal moment, and we'll unpack a little more mm-hmm. of these surreal moments that you've had over the last month and or, a month or so now. But mm-hmm. there was this moment where you guys sat out on your balcony. And you did the only thing you could do. You you cracked open a beer and you watched as the National Guard troops rolled by.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I I remember because you tried to... I actually, I remember it was Eric out there yeah, and you yeah. tried to use the drone, yeah. but then they shut down yep. the air. So I was like, what is he doing over there? So it was kind of funny cause he was like out there when all this national guards going on. So I thought he's able to use the drone to, you know, see it, but then they shut down. Yep. They shut everything down where his battery couldn't even function. So it was kind of <laughs> interesting to see how, you know, once, Things that really started getting serious. How that that happened for him because he had a charge and everything, and it just wouldn't even turn on. Like they automatically made it shut off. So
0: that's pretty crazy, Nick. I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't hear that part of the story. But that's yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So here you are in your home during these nights mm-hmm. these these nights when everything is going on. And Nick, mm-hmm. I think it was you who told me that you really had no idea. What was happening until you turned on the news?
1: Right, I had a friend call me, and she had said, "Hey, come outside and hold up a big sign or something. Your house is on television." And I didn't, didn't have time to make a sign, but uh, I was trying to get—I was trying to find a live feed online, and I couldn't find one for a while. Um, so I was just talking to her, and it was kind of weird talking to someone on the phone who was watching what was going on two blocks from your house from her house, you know, and just hearing it. And she was telling me, Oh, I think the Wells Fargo on fire. Oh, I think the, uh, I think the post office was on fire. And then she kind of said, Hibachi grill was on fire, which, you know, made us both sad because we both liked that restaurant. But, um, yeah, it was just a real strange thing. Cause yeah, here's your friend telling you about what's going on. And this it was, you know, there's just a slight hill going North from our house. And that along with the smoke was just, black. So you couldn't see a whole lot. Um, so, you know, you'd think you'd see, you know, as big as the fires were. you'd think you'd see them. Um, but you know, it's, it's almost like CI when he was just talking, I was kind of getting this feeling like, yeah, to a certain degree, I think everyone thinks it's all just chaos in the middle of it. But the fact is your life is kind of going, you know, you're, you, you still have to go to work. You still have to, uh, you know, go get food and, or, you know, just do whatever you do. So it's really strange that even two blocks from you, um, you know, I was kind of pulling the houses, uh, the hoses out around the house, uh, cause fire scares me. And, and I wasn't, I was never worried about anyone getting to the house, like breaking in. I wasn't worried about people. The big thing that concerned me was fires are kind of indiscriminate and they can spread. Um, so that's what I was, I was, kind of guarding against, but it was strange how, yeah, there was a little bit more noise, you know, even though it was after curfew cause they'd had imposed that that night. Um, the neighbors were out and you know, you kind of ended up like shouting across the street to your neighbors. You know, I've met a couple of our neighbors that I didn't know before just cause you're all out there and you know, Hey, what's going on? And you're shouting to the next person up the street <laughs> to see what's going on. So yeah, it was strange. It was, but a strange normal in
0: a way. Right. For well, sure. and I remember you talking to me because at one point, Nick, I know you grabbed your camera as, as a good photojournalist would do. And you, <laughs> you went into the, the areas where a lot of this stuff was going on the target. I know that we all saw that was just yep. ransacked and looted. That's the target you shop at.
1: All yeah. of these
0: landmarks that have become so known with Minneapolis are places that you we're using, if not weekly, but but even more so. But you said there's this eerie calm that you remember uh, while you were down there one
1: well, night. Yeah, there was. So that first night, it was the night before the third precinct got burned down. So it'd have been Wednesday night when I went down there, and it was really strange because about I think I left the house about one thirty, two in the morning. Uh, went down there and you know, the, the closer you got to, um, the epicenter, cause that's when the, that's when the center of it was about a mile from here. Uh, cause the center had kind of moved. Um, I went down there and it was just amazing. You know, people's cars parked in the middle of the street, people dancing on top of them as the apartments burned. And I mean, it was just, it was bizarre. And then, uh, I was coming back and by that time, a lot of the traffic had uh, decreased in that And I think I told you, Matt, about the sound that like Lake Street was all just glass. I don't know how I don't have punctured tires because it was just it was just glass everywhere. And that's what I was riding over on my bike. Um, And like glass that has been shattered like a rock or something put through it. I finally realized I heard all this kind of like a tinkling sound and it was all over in the street. And it was really strange um, because it's the glass kind of moving against itself. It's about ready to go, but it's just moving. And the the sound of it just sliding against itself, wherever there's a crack in it makes this little, little sound. And it was all over, um, the street. Like it was, I mean, I wouldn't say it was deafening, but it was just loud. And you'd kind of walk by and you'd see by that time, a lot of business owners, I think were coming back in. And I saw a couple that were armed just sitting in their businesses, you know, and I think I've got a couple pictures on Facebook up of that where you just kind of bike by and you know you make eye contact with this guy inside um and like I said it was this weird I don't know if you'd call it a juxtaposition necessarily but it was this silence of you know making eye contact with you know some of these people who are armed in these buildings you bike by while outside it's just this kind of almost this kind of a pleasant sound actually of of this tinkling glass of but then you're looking at this this destruction kind of everywhere around you it's really strange It's
0: really I remember you said you rolled up in this one business owner who was sitting in there with his with his weapon
1: yeah
0: draped across his lap and you said are you okay and yeah and you had this He just nodded this, yeah this strange <laughs> exchange I want to fast-forward just a little bit and then I want to get into the real the real subject matter here, now that the picture has been painted. You have a neighbor, you both have a neighbor who operates a restaurant there. They're a Somali family. And Nick, you had an operation a while back and they see you on crutches, unable to carry any groceries, unable to do anything. And you somehow manage to get into your apartment. And then there's a knock on your door. And for the next two weeks, this family who you don't know, they bring you food. Yeah. Let's yeah. start the story there because their restaurant, uh, fell victim to the rioting and not necessarily to the looting, but to the destruction.
1: Yeah. Well, they, they ended up not getting, uh, uh burned down or anything, but they're, so they're just on the other side of, well, I, I guess I won't describe the area cause no one's going to know <laughs> what this is. But, um, there are maybe half a mile north of us. And yeah, when I had foot surgery three years ago, um, yeah, I walked in there and I I'm a regular in there enough that, you know, they, they knew who I was. And when they saw I was on crutches, it was, Oh, what, you know, what'd you do to yourself? What'd you get yourself into? And you know, I told them and then, uh, yeah, a couple of days later, or actually I got a phone call from them. Um, cause they had my number, uh, cause I signed up for something with them. And they, uh, they asked what I wanted. And then I go down there and they were sending the daughter over with food periodically. And it was like,
0: hmm. well, <laughs> it was so, neighbors, neighbors helping neighbors, which I think is really yeah, great. And
1: yep. And, uh, and would always, and I offered to pay them, but they wouldn't take the payment. So, you know, I would tip their, their daughter, their driver. And, uh, then yeah, that first night of the, the riots. Yeah. I'd, I'd seen, um, they had some windows broken when I came back. So they, uh, so they didn't experience what i say. They got damaged, they got damaged, but not, not any, any of the heavy stuff that happened uh, a couple nights later. But, um, yeah, the next morning I made sure I was over there like bright and early in the morning so I could kind of kind of help them out a little bit. Cause that was the last of the least I could really do uh, on it.
0: And then so. if, I guess the next night later you find yourself in this business sort of standing oh, watch or was that actually, not that, that restaurant?
1: An, no, that was a different restaurant. That was a friend of mine who owns that restaurant.
0: And you're in there and now the yep. role has been reversed. You're no longer the guy riding by on the bike. You're the guy inside.
1: Yeah. Yeah, three of us kind of kept watch for I think three nights. Yeah, two or three nights. And
0: CI were you in that uh, that <laughs> no. that predicament as well?
1: And so no, a lot of
2: people, when the writings was uh, happening, a lot of my friends that were business owners were doing it because a lot of the, just like the Somalian restaurant, you, uh, a lot for, for Minnesota, for a lot of people that don't know, there's a lot of different cultures of Africa in Minnesota. So you get, you got Somalian, Ethiopian, um, Liberian, you name it, they're, they're here, you know, and one of the, one of the foundation spots with the uh, African culture food was this, uh, down the street from what's called global market. That was a eye opener to me because some of the African food there there, I always go there to get some of the exclusive food dishes. And so when I found out how they got hit, I'm like all my favorite, my favorite spots, you know, so I was pissed off. So then I went to St. Paul to my other Ethiopian restaurant. They got it. So then I'm like, what the heck? So I went all the way to St. Paul, the, my Ethiopian restaurant that I love going to got burned down. Then I found out a restaurant from India that I go to. They give you like a buffet. That was hit so right there. It was just it when I, when I was seeing like and for my friend he owns a Jamaican restaurant called Clemento Kitchen. So it's all in the realm of exclusive culture eating. So once they started catching wind of all these businesses getting going, uh, being targeted, you know, with you, a different type of culture, it was like that's what made them start you know, being on guard, you know, and guarding their business and stuff. Because like I said, like I, I, for people that come from Africa, it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears for them to create those businesses that are getting burned down. So, um, for the people that were catching wind to it, they started, you know, um, uh, guarding their business and, and, uh, staying up all night, like how Nick was doing. So, um, yeah, it was just a, it was an eye opener for me because it wasn't like, you know, a lot of times the media would talk about target and and like the uh, auto zone and stuff like that. The media is not going to talk about, you know, the businesses that me and Nick go to. So a lot of, a lot of those type of businesses are overlooked that got really targeted and damaged, you know? So, Um, and so that, that those businesses, I feel like with the uniqueness that they are, you know, they were on a trend, you know, and growing. So for that to happen, it was just real sad because a lot of people were starting to, uh, open up to that culture of food.
0: It makes me wonder, I mean, I'm hearing this for the first time and, and all of this is supposedly race driven. And mm-hmm. and yet you hear about all of these black businesses being burned or mm-hmm. African businesses being burned literally from Africa mm-hmm. being burned. Mm-hmm. And it, it, what, what was this about in your opinion? I'll, I'll ask you both that because, you know, was it about race or was it about something else mm-hmm. or what, what do you, what's yeah. your take on all of this?
2: I mean, it's, 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 you for, for, to, for, I, I, it like with, when it comes to, when it comes to race, like the bottom line is there's it's, it's hate there. You know what I mean? And a lot of times when there's hate there, that's what turns into the racism, but it's really hate, you know? And a lot of times when people hate, it's like they, it's, it's not when they, when somebody is hating somebody else, it's really the person that's hating. It's really them. That's the issue, you know? So for me and my past experience and just learning so many different, uh, avid, I mean, uh, personalities of people when it comes to negative energy and hate, it's just one of those things. It's not, just white people in the African community, it's hate and racist too. So it's deeper than uh, what a lot of people could even expect. So I, I, the, the bottom line is, is, it's just a mind state of ignorance though. So.
0: That's well said. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it goes both ways. I mean, it's just, it it's just hate. It's mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. that's all it is. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't hate mm-hmm. doesn't discriminate. <laughs> Just, yeah, like, it just exactly. burns, yeah. burns both ways. Nick, yeah, what was uh, sure. what was your take on all of this?
1: You know, I think, so one big part of it for me um, that I think can't go denied is uh, we've been cooped up for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't yeah, think, exactly. I don't think that helped things. That doesn't that help rest. Yeah, okay. um, and, You know, I hate to say it in Minnesota, we've, and I don't know, you know, I don't know stats. I don't know if we're any more than any place else, but it seems like Minnesota, we've, we've had some high profile cases here. Um, with, well, not, I mean, I w I wouldn't say it's race driven, but it all does seem to, if you put, look at it through a certain lens, uh, involves race, even, even down to, um, his name newer, the, uh, the, Somalian uh, police that, uh, shot the Australian woman. Um, you know, all, I don't, uh, I don't know where it necessarily comes from and I hate to say it and, um, I'm not, I'm kind of one to defend the media a lot, but I think the part of it is, is this 24 hour news cycle, you get a narrative out there and then it's just, pumped into you. There, there is other stuff to report on, but no one reports on it. Always. They just keep reporting on the same thing. So when I, I think you hear the same thing over and over and over again, and you combine that with, we've all been locked up. We're all inside and we need to go do something. Well, this is a good, good excuse to do it. And I mean, I was, like I said, I was in a, I was in a a Cessna Cardinal and we, I was running some cameras from the back seat and we flew over that first night, um, that there, well, I think it was peaceful protests until they kind of turned ugly, but I guess that's a dumb phrase because everything's peaceful till it turns not to be. But, um, yeah, we flew over that thing. And I remember just being shocked at the amount of people out there. I mean, I was thinking with this, with the COVID situation and that it was going to be pretty low key, but people were looking for a reason to get out. And you know, that it's, unfortunately it seems like, Um, I don't want to use the word hate, but it, but just to use the phrase, it's almost hate begets hate where, you know, all the police have to, you know, the police are kind of standing watch, but all they have to do is, you know, one move and someone says, you know, it's race driven. And the next thing, you know, um, they're, they're fighting with protesters. And then it, it, from there, it seems to be how it's, how it's portrayed in the media. And then the next night it possibly gets worse, which, here it did. So I don't know if that answers any questions. Were these more.
0: <laughs> were these people from your neighborhood who were protesting, were these folks that live around you who were upset about the situation with George Floyd, or were these people that you didn't recognize who were from out of town that, that meet that sort of, I'm not diving into the conspiracy theorist realm here, but I mean, were yeah. these people that, that were from your area who were mad about a local situation or were these people from somewhere else? So, so, Oh, oh, so
2: I, from, from me being on social media and just growing up in South Minneapolis, like I'm, I can see on social media, a lot of people were in the community to where it was happening, you know, with the protesting. So it's like anybody that I grew up with in South Minneapolis, they was on, they was on social media in the community, you know, being involved with the protests. and So I know that people were definitely here from the community. And then and then, and then there was a few times where I did see, uh, cars with no license plates on them, you know, and hearing about other people seeing cars with no license plates on them. So it's what, that that's just a red flag right there for to just tell you that, that there there were still people with so many people cluttered, you know, the enemy could still be in a crowd where you can't even spot them. So it was like, it was one of those types of situations with so many people that's their opportunity to come in and do stuff. And so, um, the, like I said, I seen a lot of cars come through with no license plates on it. And, and then over the media they were saying a lot of people um, from out of town out of states were coming in with no license plates on it
0: and so, that's the kind of I stuff that you yeah, hear mm-hmm. and you go yeah. man i mean this it it just it doesn't a it does not sound mm-hmm. like the minneapolis that I know or yeah or the mm-hmm. the hometown any hometown i mean that that to that, me when you see that guy at the auto zone just mm-hmm. walking up breaking those windows you go now, wait a minute. What, I mean, yeah. what is this Wasn't about? That weird? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are, I mean, are we all being duped here? I mean, that's, that's uh-huh. what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
1: I, I think I might've told you Matt on one of the earlier nights that uh, the night I went down there um, that Wednesday, I know I, I was kind of saying that, you know, I think a lot of these people aren't local and you know, part of it too is when I talk to people, I've learned that I have to define this when I say local, and what I meant, I mean, maybe there was some outside, cause I know there were some people coming in from Chicago. There was a, when the epicenter moved you know, two blocks North of here, uh, I went down there and I was listening during the day to some of the people speak. And a lot of those guys seemed to be out of Chicago. They're saying, I came over here. Um, but the impression I got on that first night, which was still early on, I think that was the second night of protest. Um, I got the impression that they weren't local, like in the community, a lot of the people I was seeing, but they were kind of more the suburbs kind of coming in here. Um, so that's where I say, yeah, uh, local, but not local. And you know, I think walls said most of the people arrested at first were from out of state, but then that turned out not to be true. So he put his foot in his mouth. <laughs> but, um, so when I was I, I know, I think I might've mentioned to you that I didn't see them as being local, but the ones I saw, I thought were, eh, you know, the suburbs, Eden Prairie, things like that. So, I think people were looking for a reason to, you know, when you're and that's the other thing, young, you know, people who are out that time of night, you know, if you were to ask me the average age of the protester, I think I would have said 17 at that point. Um, very young. And, you know, what do you do when you're young? You go to where the action is. So,
0: and it just looks like, I. it just looks to me as an outsider looking in. You know you just you hope i look we America has a lot of enemies, right? I mean, foreign and domestic, but you can't help but wonder if there was something bigger at play and if there was not, and if it is as as c i and you both have described, just hate yeah. how do we fix that? I mean, i you know why I started this show. I started it because. Nobody knows their neighbors, and yeah, I have this sure. theory that if we just got to know each other, maybe we'd learn yeah. that. Well, I might not like the person, but you know what? I I understand them a little bit better now. I yeah, exactly. I I can appreciate their culture or whatever it is. I mean, you can't like anybody if you don't know them, and you certainly can't love yeah. them if you don't like them. So I think we have to start yeah. at square one. But how how yeah. do you fix this in your area, or not maybe fix it, but how do how do you make it better? CI
2: so, so the thing about it is, is when it comes to hate, that's something that's installed in an individual through their growth process, you know, through family, you know, and it's passed down. And so when, when it comes to fixing it, it's all about the person looking at their self and, and, and asking their self, you know, How, how can I fix my, their racism, tendency, their hate, you know what I mean? And there's some people that aren't built, you know, like if your family, uh, uh, installed your mind to, to, to not like black people, you know, like, I mean, the, the, you, you, kids can easily be programmed like that. So it, it, it all stems from where you come from, you know? And so a lot of times it's up to the individual to step outside the box and be open minded. And a lot of times with kids and how that can be installed in them, they're not going to step off the box because they're not raised like that. So a lot of times it all, it all comes, it comes back to the foundation of where you come from, you know? And sometimes as people, we need to look at the big picture and be able to analyze what's right and what's wrong, you know? And, 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 and and if we're going to grow in the society, then you want to be open minded. So you can, you can evolve. So, so Hayden is only going to keep you in one spot and you're not going to learn nothing. You're not going to grow. So, uh, and a lot of times, like I said, it's, it's stopping, the individual from their potential of growing from another person, because as people, we need each other to influence each other to be better people. So it's start, it start. you really got to just, it really goes to where you come from. So that's my whole intake on it. So, um, as, as, as we, as we evolve, we have to, you know, start uh, getting people open-minded to history, real history, and and then when people meet other cultures, learn about that history, so then they can see the
0: truth within it. Nick, what about you? I'll let you have I, the final word here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll kind of piggyback on what
1: CI um, said, and it's it's you know, and then uh, my own take on that. Um, I mean, I'll second everything he said and my own take on that too is in a lot of ways, I think it's not, not being afraid. I feel, I feel very fortunate, you know, for good or bad. I seem to have had a lot of experiences and that's where I I forget if I've told you Matt, like this whole situation has me torn in a bunch of different directions. I mean, obviously, you know, equality, you know, equal treatment from police officers. Of course, I don't think, you know, any of us are against that. Um, and, but when I hear some of the stories coming out of, uh, coming from people, um, I, I often find myself going, "Well, I've experienced that even though I'm, I'm not of color. I'm so, you know, me, Matt, I run around with camera all the time. Uh, that leads you to getting stopped by police periodically. I mean, even in our neighborhood, um, I've been sitting out on our front curb at three in the morning, just cause I noticed the stars were good that night. I'm sitting out there finishing a soda or something and a police officer drives by, they stop, turn around. What are you doing out here? Who are you waiting for? You explain it to them. They don't necessarily believe you because, cause I look sketchy. It's three in the morning and I'm sitting out on the curb. I understand that. Now, if I were able to view that through a lens of racism, I may take that slightly different. And I always say, I think it's an ability to, you know, to process that stuff. And maybe I have, maybe I'm privileged in that I have that luxury to be able to just sit back and process it. Cause I know I can cut that whole segment out of it. There, there is probably no racism towards me. Uh-huh. Um, but I also, like I said, when I hear some of these stories, I have friends who are police. I have friends who are criminal. I've been stopped for doing, you know, when I'm not doing anything because I just look like in the, I'm in the wrong area at the wrong time. Um, I don't know if you know this, Matt, I have been arrested before. Um, so I've kind of got a whole kind of range of, you know, Oh yeah, I get how that could happen. I mean, like I joke about, even in my, uh, my own arrest, I remember the police yelling at me to stop resisting and I wasn't resisting, but you're still moving around because when you're being put on the pavement, you have to put your arms out because you don't want to put your face into the pavement. Um, but you know, again, that I, I I feel like I'm able to sit back and I think when CNA and I were talking about this once, he put it that way too. He'd like to be able to take yourself out of the situation almost and kind of process it and look at it. And I think that's part of the problem now on all sides, um, especially with social media is that we all, you know, our bubbles have all been reinforced. Uh, I think we're all, you know, we, I, I see so many times people posting stuff online and it's, it's controversial stuff possibly. And then the next thing, you know, they're posting back going, why isn't anyone, you know, anyone, uh, uh, saying anything good on Facebook. And you're like, well, then why are you posting that? And I sometimes get this impression that people post that stuff cause they're they're, And, and again, this is not conservative, liberal, whatever. It, it's all sides. I think they're just looking for reinforcement, you know, looking for others out there like okay. them. Yeah. Who agrees with me? Who agrees with me? And the instant someone starts not agreeing with you, um, you get upset. I mean, I've, I've always considered myself a liberal and I, I've kind of been joking lately, but it's not a joke. It's been really hard to be a liberal these days because you even question the, I don't know if I want to say motives or tactics or something of a particular group and suddenly you're against them. And that tells me no one has the ability to take a look at themselves and go, I shouldn't say nobody, but people in general, I think kind of don't look at themselves and go, am I, am I going about this the right way? Um, if, if I say something and Matt, you come to me and go, well, do you, you know, do you think we really want to head down that direction? Instantly? I would jump to why do you hate me? <laughs> you know, why are you against me? And we can't do that. And I think when it comes to Facebook and media stuff, we tend to do that, but I've been in, well Matt, you know, for five years I was in a culture that was very different than my liberal background. And, uh, you know, everyone I could talk to, I like people, I think they liked me, but once you get people into like a movement mindset, things take a different turn. And so I don't know. I don't know what I just said there, but I think that's kind of my take on it. (laughs) Well, and I think uh, it's, I think it's perfect.
0: Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a perfect take on it and it just leaves me with more questions. And I will tell you this sitting here, (laughs) sitting here with us, having this conversation again with a black guy and a white guy and you and me listening to them unpack this. I will tell you this. I started this show to get to know our neighbors and i thought you know what i'm going to sit here in my barn and i'm going to tell these great stories about american culture unique stories and it's going to be great and maybe someday the cracker barrel will sponsor the show when i'm driving around and i can have hot biscuits whenever i want them but but here's the thing (laughs) this show has changed my own my own thought about what it was right so You and I are sitting here listening to this, and I don't know about you, but I have so many more questions. I've been toying around with the idea of doing a show specifically about something that has been pecked at in this episode, but not attacked. And I think that it is time to investigate this even more. I'm excited. Nick and CI, thank you. For coming yeah, on the sir. show and thank sitting you. down with us yeah. i so yeah, appreciate it man. Yeah. absolutely yeah, guys yeah. thank yeah, you for coming on, on. and uh and we'll be in touch okay i want to hear more from you it's a great conversation yeah, you're
1: welcome.
0: yep right. thanks a lot man all right buddy. all right take care the, yeah. b- the beer is right. on yeah. me next time on the porch all right guys <laughs> all right, all right yeah. <laughs>
1: nick care, and ci
0: man. up there in minneapolis witnesses to history and you heard their opinions today and their thoughts on the whole thing so look you and I have got to get busy. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're thinking about. You can send me an email right there through the website or on Facebook. It's the History Worth Saving podcast. And I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you listening to the show, you interacting with it. If you wouldn't mind, share it with a friend. By the time that we can get to, and I, this is not much, but it's a lot when you start this thing grassroots like I've done. We need to get to 1,000 downloads per episode within the first 30 days. We're not far, but I need your help. Can you share it with a friend? Can you subscribe to the newsletter? Sure appreciate it. I'm Matt Jolly, and that's history worth saving.